Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And my only goal with this podcast is to inspire you to believe in yourself and that real love is possible for you, even in our swipe right, swipe left world. Hello, and welcome to episode number 225 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I'm really excited to be connecting with you. And thank you so much to everyone who has been connecting with me on Instagram. I really, really love knowing who all my listeners are. So if we haven't connected, go ahead and send me a DM. I'm Veronica E. Grant. And of course, if you're not on Instagram, you can always send me an email and go to veronicagrant.com forward slash contact to make that happen. And thank you to everyone who has been leaving ratings and reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. That really, really helps me to grow the show. So if you've been listening to the show for a long time or a little bit of a time, and it's really helped you. I would be so appreciative if you took a moment to leave a rating or review. It's really the best way you can support me and the show. Okay, so today's episode, first, I have a question for you. You know how sometimes you wonder, you know, maybe you're like deep into your career and you're like, hmm, could I have been a lawyer? Could I have been a teacher? Could I have been a doctor? Could I have done this other thing? And sometimes for me, I wonder if I could have been a professor. I think probably you can tell from listening to this podcast, I really love studying big ideas. I love dissecting them. I like, yes, debating them and creating some theories around them, but I also really like applying how does this actually show up in real life? What does some feminist theory mean for women who are on the apps or married to a man? I could just get really, really nerdy about that. And then I have to catch myself and remind myself that, yes, I love some parts of what it means to study and what academia could mean. But for me, the stress around writing papers and passing and getting published and getting tenure Yeah, those are things that I'm probably pretty good at. I'm good at getting things done, but it would also bring out the worst in me. 
However, when I met my new friend, Kim, I was immediately enamored and attracted to her work. She has a PhD in women's studies, and she coaches women around sexual trauma and empowerment. So when I first heard about her work, I was like, first of all, I just want you my friend. And second of all, I want you to come onto my podcast. So here's why I'm so excited to bring her onto the show. I really try to help you see whatever you're experiencing experiencing in your love life as part of a wider experience. Now, that's not to belittle your experience, but I hope that it helps you to see that it's not you. You're not alone. And some of the stuff that you're experiencing in your love life and relationships, and honestly, even in career and money and health and all of those things, they're not your fault and you're not the problem. For example, if you're afraid that you're being too needy in the relationship that you're in, or you've been in a relationship previously where you've been told that you're too needy. Is the truth that you're actually too needy, or is it more that it's social conditioning? And do we live in a society where girls and women are raised to be more concerned about others' needs and less so about themselves? So in my conversation with Kim today, we talk about how seeing your situation and experience within the context of larger social constructs can help you feel less alone and honestly, not so crazy. And when you fundamentally feel crazy or like you're the only one that experiences something, it can make it that much harder to heal. So we talk about that and we also talk about the bread and butter of Kim's work, which is healing from sexual trauma. Now, sexual trauma in the context of what we're going to talk about can be anything. This is not just for women who have been raped or experienced sexual assault. Sexual trauma can include being ridiculed by a man during or after sex. It can be living in the conflict of being a woman, you're supposed to be sexy, but also not be a slut. It can also be simply experiencing sex ed or learning about sex in the context of all the ways that it can be bad and forgetting to be taught all the ways that it can be a really beautiful experience in the right situation and with the right person. So before we get into my interview with Kim, I want to say this. I believe we're divine beings having a human experience. And the thing that makes us humans is that we have a body. And part of being in a body is that we can experience pleasure. And in fact, women, not men, have a part in our body that has no other purpose other than to experience pleasure. So pleasure is an important part of living, and it's definitely an important part of sex, And as Kim talks about today in the show, it's also an important part of sexual trauma healing. So as you can hopefully already see, it's going to be a really juicy conversation and we're going to dive right in. Now, before we get to my conversation with Kim, I want to remind you that I am enrolling for your conscious online dating blueprint. This is a workshop with me. It's small, it's intimate, and I'm going to help you, yes, do some of the outer strategy, but also do the inner strategy, meaning the inner work to help you make it work online. I'm only accepting 30 women into the workshop, so I have more than enough time to support each one of you and answer your questions and coach you and hopefully review as many profiles as I possibly can. Now, at the time that I'm recording this, I have no idea if there's going to be any spots available. So if you're interested, please get in touch with me ASAP. Instagram is a great way, Veronica E. Grant. You can also just head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash online dating. And if the information page is still up, then you can join us. And if the waitlist page is up, then I recommend going ahead and signing up.
up for the wait list because I might do this again before baby comes. Not sure, but definitely get on the wait list if you want to be in the know of future dates. So again, veronicagrant.com forward slash online dating or Veronica E. Grant if you want to get in touch with me about the online dating blueprint workshop. And I just want to say that I'm teaching this workshop from the perspective of yes, this is your experience. And there are also the constructs of racism and sexism and patriarchy and all of those things that definitely play out in online dating. And while we can't personally dismantle those systems, there are definitely ways that we can can work around them so that they don't have to ruin your experience. So this workshop is not just existing in like this nice theoretical bubble, but I try to make it as realistic as possible for the women who are coming to the workshop. So again, veronicagrant.com forward slash online dating. It's only $99, 30 spots available. I never have ways like this to work with me for so little money. So if you're interested in working closely with me, then I will see you hopefully in the workshop if the spots aren't already taken. And without any further ado, let's get to my conversation with Kim. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, before we get going, can you just introduce yourself to my audience? Tell us who you are, a little bit about what you do in the world. Totally. Yes. So, so nice to meet you all. I'm Kimberly Pendleton and I'm a women's empowerment and sexuality coach. And I'm also a women's studies professor. So my work is really kind of at that intersection of the academic and the internal. We do a lot on sexual healing, healing from trauma, and then, you know, love and relationships. So obviously lots of overlap and stuff to talk about with you and your audience. Yeah. I'm really excited for our conversation and we're definitely going to get into sexual trauma and healing. I definitely want that to be a juicy, you know, the meat of our conversation. But before we get there, I'm just so fascinated because a lot of times we meet life coaches or I don't know, people like me on the internet (laughs) talking about things. And a lot of it hasn't necessarily come from like the traditional academic setting. And yet like your work, at least a lot of it, I'm not sure not all of it, but a lot of it does. So can you talk a little bit about that? I guess the intersectionality of that, like where your academic studies, you know, having a PhD in like women's sexuality and all that kind of stuff intersects with the coaching that you do. Yeah, I love that question. And it feels like really good timing as we are navigating. It feels at least to me like changing some of how we think about education and like, do you have to sit in a classroom? Do you have to go get a degree? Like what could be possible if more were accessible to more people? And like, what would that look like? But for me, I just remember especially like these key classes in women's studies or race and gender studies where I would read something and think like, oh, I'm not just like the only one who feels this way or sees this or is having this experience. Like there's all this language that I can like rest on. I remember getting told once, and I think about this so often, that like theory can be like furniture that like your thoughts can sit on. And I was like, oh my gosh, that feels so good. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, I'm not alone. And I do think that 
being within like the academic institutional walls worked for me in a lot of ways for a while. Like I loved school. I was a big nerd. I know you are too. Like we (laughs) recognize each other, but then at the same time, like I feel like I hit a plateau where I was getting a little bit like confused or even maybe frustrated about like, well, this stuff is like so limited and who can access it? Like, should you really have to pay like (laughs) $200,000 to go take these classes and like get this bachelor's degree? And I, you know, I still love college and like think it's so fun and libraries are amazing, but like the thought of coaching and going and getting, I got a few coaching certifications and just some like training around trauma healing, it felt like a way of almost translating some of that theoretical stuff and like more academic stuff into like the real lived experiences of like women I could actually talk to where it wasn't just like, okay, like here are all the structures, like write a paper about it. It was like, yeah, here are all the structures and like, here's how it might be showing up in your body. And here are like two or three things you could do today to start feeling better. And it was like a light bulb went off thinking that like, oh, this could actually expand beyond just these walls. So I still definitely feel like I'm trying to strike that balance the right way and not go too far you know, with my students, sometimes I'm accidentally like, how do you want to feel when you turn in your paper? And they're like, what? <laughs> and then with my clients being like, well, here's like the history of intersectionality. And they're like, okay, I just, I need to talk about my boyfriend actually. So there's definitely like wobbliness, but I do think that when they can overlap really well, people find it to be just like really comforting. And then like, it matches what they actually need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you give an example of like a structure that exists and then how one might experience that based on how they're showing up in the world, who they are, things like that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, when I think about that, I actually think just like this really simple, but frustrating answer might be the best place to start, even though there's so many options, but I talk to a lot of women who are married and especially over the last few months have been spending a lot more time at home with their partners and when they're raising kids together and working and navigating like marriage in particular, like the majority of my clients right now have been having these conversations with me about labor and like the division of labor in their house and just kind of noticing, especially if they're married to men, like ways that they thought that their family had kind of circumvented like traditional gender roles when it came to like who was in charge of the kids and school and cleaning and blah, blah, blah. But that a lot of it was actually just being kind of like swept under the rug, no pun intended with help. Like, okay, well, we've got like daycare and school and a housekeeper and maybe even more support. But when all of that got stripped away, it was like, well, when push comes to shove, I still somehow am doing all the work, all the like labor at home. And it's been really interesting and helpful on that intellectual level to be able to offer them this like pretty like foundational feminist theory around the second shift that like women are doing so often 
this like first shift of work, like regular work that we would all consider, but then coming home and doing like a second shift of another full-time job, basically of a lot of labor around the house. And, you know, sometimes people will sort of misname that work as emotional labor, but it's just like regular labor. It's just work. It's more work. And I think sometimes we call it emotional labor to sort of try to like soften it a little bit, but that's like a totally different thing. But thinking about like that idea of like, okay, well, I'm experiencing this at home in my own life. And it feels like it's about me and my husband and our two kids or whatever. But actually it's like this entire structural trend and like thing that we're both part of. And I don't think it necessarily immediately makes it better, but it has helped some of them like bring language to the table of like, Hey, like I actually (laughs) don't want, I never signed up for this second Mm -hmm. shift work. Let's like reevaluate that. And I think that even though that's so simple and almost like so intuitive, it is one of those things where just knowing there's a phrase for this, like Arlie Hothschild made this and like wrote a thing about it. And I can like show you the article if you want. And it's, you know, it's not what every couple needs, but it is like interesting to almost put your own experience in this matrix of like, yes, this is a thing that we when we shift it in our own household, it's actually going to have ripple effects that are systemic too, because like, we don't want that to just be the default anymore. Right. Right. That's such a good example. And two things came up for me while you were talking. One is just like a conversation I was having with my husband yesterday, which is kind of not related, but how like the office of the first lady, like it's on a paid position and yet she has like this whole office and hires people. And it's like, why isn't the first lady paid? Like, I think they totally should be paid, right? God, I've never um, thought about that. What an interesting, like amazing question. Yeah. It's just, it's just like this whole idea, like women's work isn't as valued and it's not paid, like, you know, taking care yeah. of kids and cleaning house and whatever. Anyways, that's totally random. (laughs) But but the other thing that came up was around, yeah, the conversation that I have a lot with my clients around, especially like the active part of dating and what that looks like now is the online dating, right? And like, these are women who have, you know, quote unquote, broken glass ceilings and Mm -hmm. have big teams at work and might make a lot of money at work or, you know, or on a upward trajectory in their career. And then it's like, they come to online dating and it's like, boom, like all this, these patriarchal norms, just, I don't know. They just come back (laughs) full throttle where it's like, oh, like the guy should respond or should make the first move or should ask me out or, well, I don't want to like, you know, respond too quickly because then he'll think that I'm like desperate or or just all these like crazy rules. And it's not just like this happens to some women or whatever. I find that happens to women who have, I don't know. I think it's a universal experience until you decide to like not let it be. But at the same time, there's still like this this systemic issue. So it's like, what do you do? Right. Totally makes sense. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, do you find that mostly your clients are, are conscious of that of like, Oh, this is like so interesting. I'm I'm being like almost a different version of me in this area than I would over here. Or is it just so ingrained in us that like that happens? We don't even. That's a good question. So those listening, let me know. Send me a DM. (laughs) Yeah. Tell us everyone. 
I would be very curious to know, like, I mean, I can speak for like, you know, the women that I've actually worked with, but that's a small fraction of, you know, who listens to this podcast. But I do think that, yeah, I do think that we have to not choose to become aware, but yeah, I do think that sometimes we just think, oh, well, this is just how it is. Yeah. How it is, you know, for a straight woman, this is just how it is when it comes to trying to date a man, you have to like play by the rules, play their game. Mm -hmm. And yet these are the same women who have a lot of success in their career. And I see that as my life's work (laughs) is breaking down these patriarchal invisible scripts, so to speak, or standards within the dating space. But I can see how the housework thing is like a good example of the intersectionality. And I just wanted to point out the online dating because I think I mean, I definitely have people in this who listen who are co-parenting with exes and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure they can relate to the the workload and the gender divide and everything. But I think online dating is another good example of what we're talking about here. Totally. And ways that I think one of the things that sounds like you're saying and that I definitely notice is that our default can still have these sneaky patriarchal conditioning elements to it, even if we have like moved in a different direction in all these other ways Then it's almost like, oh, but what is like the base layer of like, how should this work or who does this or what would be kind of quote unquote natural or normal right now can still be laced with like those rules. And so it's so liberating to look at them and be like, wait a minute, like, how did you stay sneak in here? still? let me like root this out too, so that I can do what I actually want so that I can say what I actually want to say to this person I'm flirting with over Tinder or, you know, so that we can set an example for our kids of like everyone who lives here does the work of this household. Totally. Yeah. I just tell my clients, you know, and I'm doing a, like I'm doing an online dating workshop on this topic next week specifically. And, and I just teach like, you know, I think a becoming conscious of the pattern and then b doing any obviously internal work, inner child work that needs to be done to let go of the fear of not playing by that pattern. But then just like saying what you want or asking for what you need or whatever. And if someone can't handle that, honestly, then that's better for you to know sooner than later. I know, like good to know. Yeah. Yeah, like if someone thinks you're being overbearing because you want to know what they're up to on Friday night or because you text them back within five minutes and not within five hours, like if that's overbearing, then like they're not ready for a relationship. So totally right. (laughs) I love that. It's like, oh, you did me a favor. Now I know (laughs) I'm gonna go over here instead. Totally. Because talking about the patriarchy and bashing it and wanting to break down the patriarchy is not like a gender war thing. It's not that like all men are bad or whatever. It's just like this system. And if you can attract someone who's like willing to like, oh, maybe if it's even, maybe if it's someone like, oh, this woman's being a little more forward than I'm used to, but they like it. Like, that's cool. You know, there's people like that out there. I mean, Actually, that makes me think I should admit that when I was first dating my partner, he would be like, wow, you just like never play it cool. You just play it, Kim. (laughs) I love that. It is exactly what you're saying. And, you know, I think especially when I look at 
I'm sure you do too. Like I sort of look at what other coaches are saying and doing who are kind of in our realm and talking about love and dating. It can often feel like some of the advice and direction for women, especially for women who want to date men is like shrink to be as like small as possible and like only say these five approved lines and like get really like, I don't know, sneaky and almost manipulative to like trick him into being with you. And it's like, well, first of all, then am I going to have to do that for like the rest of my life? Because it sounds like so much work. And then also like, that's not who they want to be with anyway. You know, it's like, well, what if we just trust (laughs) the men you're trying to date are also like wise, amazing humans who like are just looking for love. Like it gets to be so much easier than like following all of these rules. Totally. Totally. And my, my um, husband, CV, who has never been on the podcast, I'm trying to get him to come on, but he won't come on, but I talk about him a lot. It's my long time. <laughs> no CV is, but at least vicariously through me, but yeah, the, one of the first things he, well, not one of the first things he said, but once we were getting into like deeper conversations, he told me that one of the things that attracted him to me is that like, I just, I like had, you know, like direction. I was like really excited about what I was doing in my life. And I just had this, like, I guess you could say, and I asked him out on our first date, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and I always tell that to my clients who are like, Oh, but like, I think he should ask me out. And I'm like, don't give your power away like that. If you want to hang out with him freaking ask for it. And every time I think like, oh, I'm just like talking, you know, saying we're having this conversation and sharing it and like all the other dating and relationship and love coaches, they all say the same thing. But then it's like, I remind myself that not so long ago, I saw another, and I don't follow other dating coaches. I like to keep my eyes in my own lane, you know, and just focus on, you know, my business. But I did notice this one coach who was talking about how if you wanted to and she was up talking to straight women. If you want to date like a masculine guy, like you can't be on Bumble because Bumble was like, you know, the feminist app, you know, that was, you know, and I was just like, what? <laughs> People are saying this. Okay. My podcast has a purpose still. I'm going to keep doing yeah, it. Yeah, really? Oh my gosh. That <laughs> is too funny. And you know what I think that obviously like it's funny and feels a little old fashioned, but I think what one of the things that you're getting at, and I totally agree is that like that just chips away at our sense internally that we can just like trust ourselves and like do what we want and be on what we want and like, (laughs) like download the apps we want and then delete them when we want. Like, I think the danger is in accidentally conveying a sense of like, you could mess this up in a million ways, any moment. It's so fragile, you know, like you're barely <laughs> going to like sneak in. It's like, no, no, no. Like what if our approach to our wholeness and our love and sexuality and everything was just kind of like, yeah, you can't mess it up. You can just like learn and grow and change, but like there is no messing up or doing it wrong. Like yeah. it just isn't. Yeah, that's I, I love I love that you said that and put it that way. I like it. 
If today's conversation resonated with you and this feels like something you need, it's possible. There are spots right now available to work with me privately. Together, we can unravel your dating patterns, clear your love blocks, and get you into the relationship you desire and deserve by digging into your constitution, your childhood, and your previous relationships. Working with me privately means I can meet you where you're at and hold your hand through the process. It doesn't matter if you've never done this work or you've been doing it for years. All that matters is that you're done with where you're at and you're ready to find love in the next 12 months and are ready to invest the time and money in radically changing your life. To explore if this is the right fit for you, please visit me at veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching to learn more and schedule your introductory call with me. And what I also want to make sure we have time to talk about is a lot of your work is around obviously sexuality and specifically sexual healing. So I want to talk about sexual trauma, but first I want to start, I want to like back way up. And when you say sexual trauma, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, that doesn't apply to me because I've never been like raped or something like that. Right. So what encompasses sexual trauma in your work? You know, that is such a great way to begin. And I really appreciate it because I've noticed that too, with a lot of my clients and even just like friends, honestly, who will sometimes identify with some of what I'm putting out maybe on social media or like a blog post or something about grappling with repatterning or healing from trauma. And then we'll almost feel kind of like guilty, like, well, but this shouldn't apply to me. Or like what happened to me was like not nearly as bad as like what's happened to other women or even like, I don't think anything's happened to me, but I just still feel really weird and messed up around sex. So like what is going on? And there are a couple different ways that I like to think about that. And, you know, I'm really open to continuing to evolve, you know, in my own definitions here and my own sense of this. But one thing that I think is really often overlooked is that whether or not, you know, we have a specific acute trauma incident that we kind of like trace our harm back to, we're like conditioned to be afraid in a lot of ways of sexual trauma, like all the time. And like, I think that especially if you were raised as a woman in like Western culture, there is this sort of like mixed messaging, you know, another like feminist theory term gets to be really helpful here of like the double bind of like, be sexy, but like, don't have sex, be available. But like, if you're too available, it's like your fault. And I think even that like push and pull surrounding you as you try to figure out like your own desire and your own, what you want and what feels good. That is a traumatic, like sea to be swimming in of like, sex is dangerous and violent. And if you're not careful, like you're going to have this horrible experience. And even if you are careful, you might anyway. And then if you tell anyone, it's like not going to go well. And if you don't tell anyone, that's not going to go well either. And so what I find is that like, of course it does make a difference whether or not people have had specific experiences that they need to heal from, but even kind of on a broader spectrum, I think there's like trauma response we see in almost all of us that has a little bit more to do with the culture itself and like the way that we talk about sex. Like I think often about 
how like at best in our sex ed curriculums, you know, we may have learned about all the ways sex was dangerous. (laughs) At worst, we like didn't learn anything at all. Right. (laughs) But like whose sex ed curriculum was ever like, let's focus on like women's pleasure. I mean, it's like unthinkable kind of like, I don't know like where that would ever happen. And so I think when we think about sex as harm, you know, and you're trying to like figure out what you want within that, it can be really difficult. So for me, basically, I just feel like sexual trauma can include so much more. And, you know, I also often think our habit of discounting even our own experiences, like I'll have clients will be like, well, I wasn't raped, but then they'll describe a situation. And like, that is the term I would use for that. So I think there is just like a lot of fluidity around it. But if you feel like things are sticky or hard or you're closed up or, or scared, you know, and doesn't feel like there's a clear reason, I think that it's often because like, in general, this is fraught territory for us as a culture right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think things that we don't think about as being traumatic, you know, even if it's like, I don't know, let's say you're having sex with someone and then they just comment on like a way you make a sound or they like comment on your body or anything like that can be really, really traumatic. Mm -hmm. Or if you're raised in a certain household, you know, maybe the one that was like really religious that made you feel like if a guy was into you, that was your fault and something was bad and doing something wrong. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we're able to hopefully clear this up and see that sexual trauma I think is probably good work for unless like I don't know you were just raised in like a really really sex positive home which I don't think yeah like take us there if so we want to hear about that and interview your parents for the podcast please they sound awesome (laughs) and for the rest of us like goals for the future because I do think it's possible and you know just like you were saying about how dismantling patriarchy is going to liberate men too like it's not about attacking them I think that it feels so much like that when it comes to rape culture and this kind of really weird messed up way of thinking about sex as like so dangerous and chaotic but also like we need it I think that that is just going to make everyone feel so much better because it's like okay great well what would happen if we stop vilifying desire like it's going to make things safer for every person yeah yeah definitely so I know a lot of your work is around how pleasure is the Mm -hmm. key part of the medicine for healing sexual trauma so for some people that might make a lot of sense for some people that might be like huh (laughs) (laughs) can you can you speak to the huh people yes I so appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was one of the huh people for like a long time, I think, because I was so uncomfortable with pleasure, like as a concept. And I think that I would definitely have not been able to have this conversation or like say it out loud, you know, 10 years ago. But I think what I found was, especially from that more academic lens, 
we had so many resources to talk about harm and violence against women. I did a lot of my doctoral research on the language around sex trafficking and the way we talk about like victimizing sex workers and rescuing them and kind of like all of this just analytic perspective around like women in trouble, basically. And there was so little on what we wanted instead. Like, well, what would it look like? What are we even like rescuing people toward? And what would we rescue ourselves toward? And like, what is this for? And I remember realizing that in my own life and in my own kind of healing journey, my own experience with sexual assault, that one of the things that had happened was I had sort of like stopped trusting my own sense of what felt good and what I wanted as like a result of not only like one instance of trauma, but, you know, maybe just like living in that (laughs) culture that we were talking about. And that at first it felt not connected, but the more I started following what felt good and like trying to listen to that voice in me again, and then having some conversations with people about that and like, do they trust that in themselves? I started to put it together that like, okay, we did need and do still need to talk a lot about harm and violence, but there's this missing piece of pleasure and like desire and rewiring our system to be like, not only what we're fighting against, but what we're wanting to create instead. And it started to feel like pleasure was like a secret weapon in healing from trauma. And then I learned that neurologically, that is just also true. Like in my training around trauma healing, we learned that kind of on like a micro level, if you are touching your hair or like squeezing yourself and kind of feeling good in your body as you have some of these harder conversations, you can like stay in it without flooding your system. And I realized like, oh, some of the things that I've been thinking were just random, like even like little desires, like I want to buy flowers or I want to like go for a walk in the pretty park instead of over here. And it felt kind of like, well, I'm just like, you know, being a person, it was like, oh, no, actually, this is part of a deeper philosophical change, I think we're ready for to see pleasure as like, a healing tool. And our body actually thinks of it that way, it like calms our nervous system so that we can do some of that deeper healing, even like talking about these kind of structural changes if you can do it in a way where you feel safe and you feel good, and maybe you're surrounded by something that feels beautiful to you or, you know, some way that pleasure is involved, you actually can like do more of the work, which just feels so good, so much better, (laughs) at least to me. Yeah, that sounds a lot better. And my understanding, and I know you've had a lot more training than I have, so I'm curious, is the brain like, you know, like, like if you have some sort of trauma in the body and it can be an accident. It can be an assault or something like that. And the brain will cut off like the memory or the feeling. And so then it's like, especially so in the context of like sexual trauma, then it's like going back to have sex. It can feel like, I don't feel anything, may not feel anything emotionally or physically. Can you speak to a little bit of that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think one thing 
to say about that in particular is just that it can feel like things are happening that are so random, even with like physical pain. Sometimes I see this show up in clients and I had an experience of this too, where it feels like, oh, my body is just like shutting down or in pain or like sex is painful suddenly or something like that. And I mean, sometimes of course there's like a physical issue that like needs to go get support around, but often too, it's like you and your body like manifesting something or remembering something or getting re-triggered of that trauma. And what I find is is that it can be really confusing for people, especially when, and this happens with my clients so often, it shows up once they're in like their happy relationship or like stable. Mm -hmm. And suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, I'm like, thinking about all of these traumatic experiences I thought I was like done dealing with, or my body is freezing up or suddenly something feels wrong. And usually their first thought, which makes sense is like, Oh my gosh, is it like this partner? Like is something wrong right now? But often what I find instead is that now it's just safe enough. Like your system can process some of the stuff that it may not have let come up to the service before. And so it's actually like a weirdly good sign. You know, you might be feeling like more loved and more secure. Sometimes this happens to my clients, like after they get married and, you know, then they're like, Oh, shoot, (laughs) like, what did I do? And it's like, no, no, let's just like stay with it because it's actually like, part of the healing process, but it can make you feel like you're like losing it because, you know, this is the healthiest relationship you've ever been in. Why are you sabotaging it now? Or why is your body shutting down now? Why are you losing your attraction? Anything like that. And, you know, I think what can be so liberating and helpful is to realize like, oh, this is a trauma response. This is not like I suddenly hate my partner or like, Oh, I'm like suddenly not into sex anymore after like 20 years. It's like, okay, maybe, but probably there's like something else going on and we can just go into it with so much love and compassion and like, let you heal. That's so interesting. Oh, the body is so interesting. It's so interesting. <laughs> so complicated. What are some, um, so for women listening who are like, okay, I could be more comfortable with sex, what are some of the first steps or things you would have them do? It's a great question. I mean, I think that one thing that you said earlier that struck me was about how, you know, it's so helpful if we can like tell people what we want and then like, if they're not down to hear about that, then like, great, we know that early. And what I find with people, and I'm sure you do too, is that especially with women who are still kind of like deep in their conditioning around femininity and what it means to be a woman and to be a good woman, it's often really hard to know what you want. Sometimes even when I ask like, well, what do you want? It's like (laughs) my clients will get like angry or they like shut down or it's like, how am I supposed to know that? As if, you know, this is like advanced calculus or something. And I get it. It's like, you are taught your whole life. Like, don't want anything or make them guess or just like, like pipe down. And so it can be really confronting and challenging when you recognize that like, you don't even know what you want or 
maybe like how to even recognize what your desire is. So even though it might sound super basic, I would actually say the first step is just to get into the habit of asking like, what do I want? And of course, you know, I know we don't always get what we want all the time, but we get it a lot more often when we at least like know what it is, you know, I think that with some of my clients and even my friends, it's been helpful to start in kind of small ways of like, well, what do I want for lunch? (laughs) Like, what do I want (laughs) to wear? What do I want to feel right now? And like really just practicing that muscle of even knowing. And then of course, I think like the more you can take that into the bedroom too, of like, what do I want? And it can be really helpful and sometimes illuminating to realize like, oh, I've always just thought about wanting them to be happy or wanting to feel wanted. So I'll do what you want or whatever. And actually like, when we start to ask that question and put ourselves back in the equation, you know, we, we end up making them more happy anyway, usually, but like, we also are signaling to our system, like your desires matter, what you want matters. And if there is trauma around like a non-consensual experience in our past, that can be so healing of being like your yes matters, your no matters, like what you want matters. And it's like you telling you. I love that. Yeah. I love that. It's amazing how many clients I ask and not necessarily in the sense specifically of sexuality, but I'm like, what do you want your relationship to look and feel like? And so many people say, I never thought about it, even though it's like all they want is a relationship and they're ah. talking to me. So they're like really feeling serious about it. But it's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what my relationship looks like or my ideal relationship looks or feels like. So I love that. And I love starting small, you know, like what do I want for lunch? What do I want to yeah. wear today? And then working up towards the bigger asks that feel more scary. Totally. You know, you don't have to like start with like a level 10. You can start. Yeah. Those are a little, you know, the lower levels and work your way up. I love that. Oh my gosh, exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Um, This was such a great conversation. I can't wait for my audience to hear it. Before I let you go, I'm sure some people will be like, "Um, who is this Kim girl? Can I connect (laughs) with her? So where can people find you? What do you have going on? Give us all the details. I so appreciate that. Yeah. And it's been so fun to talk to you. My main home on the internet is at theuncoveredwoman.com. That's my website. And I run a year-long program, the Intimacy Incubator, where I do coaching. And it's it's just great. It's full of amazing women who want to have these conversations all the time, that mix of <laughs> the theory and the practice and a place you can actually just talk about sex with a bunch of other women when you want to. So if that calls to anybody, I would love to chat with them about it. And it's all, yeah, it's all there at theuncoveredwoman.com. Awesome. Well, we'll put that link in um, the show notes for everyone listening. So you can just go click that link in your podcast player, or I'm sure grandmother Google can get you there as well. (laughs) Totally. Totally. So easy. But yeah, I think that honestly, like the more, the more podcasts like yours, the more coaches like you, the more spaces like this and mine, and just the more, the better, because we need 
to just keep having these conversations and like sharing these tools with people so that this isn't the norm anymore. You know, I think it would be, it would be great to work myself out of a job here and be like, cool, everyone's empowered. I'm going to (laughs) go sell tacos or something. That's a good way to put it. And, and, and same to you. I so appreciate the work that, that you do. I know that you know, it's much needed. And I'm sure all the women in your community just love you and you've supported them and helps them. So I just need more of it. I totally agree on the same page. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.